We are continuing in our uh, journey. It's a journey uh, in the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, which we call the book of Philippians. And uh, I don't know about you, friends, but it, it has been messing with me in a good way. Just even the songs that we sang this morning, um, uh, you just kind of sense like the challenge, like, Lord, forgive me if I've just been going through the motions. And uh, that's kind of where Paul's landed here in this chapter 3, that religion goes through motions. And even as a follower of Christ, we could just kind of get into routines of reading our Bibles and, you know, going to church and... Um, just going through motions, and there's nothing changing on the inside. And in fact, last week, I, I just felt challenged by the Spirit of God, you know, in my own personal life. Uh, am I going through motions? Am I getting caught into a rut? And uh, just to stir the flame on the inside again, to say, Lord, I, I want to keep that hot. Um, keep that fire going, man. And... Um, we sang a song about that, too. <laughs> I was thinking we should probably go through all the lyrics, you know, kind of quick review. This is what we sang. Hey, did you notice uh, to dig in, drill down deeper than just words, but let it impact your soul? Um, I, and I got to tell you, too, this morning while I was getting ready, I was listening to uh, Tony Evans, a podcast of his. And man, I sure love Tony. Don't you? Yeah, man. Good stuff. Uh, I'll never forget, we're going to uh, Promise Keepers back in the day, and Tony, man, just brought the house down. Um, so I like Tony because he preaches from the Bible, and you're finding that more difficult today in our culture, unfortunately. Uh, churches are getting away from the Bible, they're getting away from the gospel, and they're getting caught up in social issues and current events. And um, hey, the Bible's relevant for current events, but man, when you get away from the gospel, the truth of God's word, uh, it will not bring change to you. You'll just get caught up in the emotion of the day, and uh, it's not a healthy place to be. So um, we considered a privilege to camp out in the Bible. How about it? Yeah, yeah man. So you can talk back to me. I, I don't get offended by that, uh, just so you know. Um, pushback is good. Uh, I'm going to push the envelope in your life this morning, I believe, from, from God's Word, and uh, we'll see what happens. So before we get started, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have uh, this morning, and man, it's been hot and humid this past week, and uh, like we heard Wednesday night, we are, we are joyful for air conditioning, and we thank you for air conditioning, Lord, um, where we can be comfortable, and sometimes comfort can be dangerous. Maybe we've become too comfortable in our lives, in our spiritual walk with you. And we're allowing that relationship to grow cold. And so help us, Lord, to um, allow you, Spirit of God, to challenge us through the reading of your word and the application in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we're going to be in Philippians 3. You probably knew that, but uh, uh, that's where we're, we're going. Craig Groeschel, who is a pastor uh, right now, tells a story about uh, at the end of his college days that uh, they had an award ceremony for those who were involved in sports. And so he knew he was getting some award. He didn't know which one because uh, his parents had been invited as well. And uh, as the night progressed, he had no idea that they were going to give him the most prestigious honor awarded that evening, which was the Athlete of the Year. Pretty big deal. And when they made the presentation, uh, they asked um, Craig to come up to the podium to receive the award. And uh, after getting it, the presenter asked Craig, hey, is there anything you'd like to say? And at that moment, Craig kind of had a flashback where he remembered praying this prayer about a year before. And it was, God, if you make me better, I'll tell everybody about you. It's a good prayer. God, if you make me better, I'll tell everybody about you. And suddenly that prayer just came to the front of his mind and he took fully, full advantage of it. He grabbed the microphone and he preached his first sermon. <laughs> he told his story of what a sinful person he had been and what God had done in his life since he placed his faith in Christ. He talked about everything and then about God and God's goodness. And when he closed his talk, he thought to himself, well, I'll never have another friend again. <laughs> and he was quite shocked when uh, he had finished. Uh, the banquet room uh, was full of standing people giving him an ovation. Took him by surprise. And so as he was making his way back to his table, he walked by a guy that he knew. Uh, this dude played a different sport than he did, but the guy put his hand out to shake Craig's. And, um, you know, Craig knew of him. Uh, they had similar friends, and he had gone to some events together. And so the guy stuck his hand out saying, that's the boldest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And Craig shook his hand and thanked him and walked on. This young man was not a believer. Craig didn't see him for years. And over time, uh, they ended up bumping into each other again. And Craig said, hey, you're the guy from back in college. How's it going? He said, good, and it's great to see you. And then he went on, this man. Man, Groschel, I remember back in school when you gave that bold speech at the awards dinner. I wanted to believe you were different because I knew how you were. But honestly, I thought it was going to wear off. I thought it was just a religious thing that you were going through. He paused, took a deep breath, and then continued, Yeah, man, we all thought it would wear off. Years and years went by, and somebody invited me to church, and when I walked in and saw you up there, I freaked. Here I was, all these years later, I heard you saying the same thing in the same way, and I realized it had not worn off. Jesus had truly changed you, and because he changed you, 
I wanted him to change me as well. Good point. See what God does in a person's life when we surrender it to Christ. I, uh, the thing that jumps out at me here is the idea that when we or a person puts their faith in Christ, it's going to wear off after a while. You kind of go back to your old ways. You kind of drift back into mediocrity. I want to submit that to you this morning. How's that going for you? Has your faith in Christ worn off? Is it wearing off? Your passion for Christ, your passion to model his character, the desire to share your faith with others. Man, how's, how's that going? Because these are the days that we cannot afford to follow the crowd. Because there is pressure to be part of the crowd, friends, and you can all say yes to that. We're seeing it right before our eyes. And to stand up for what's true and what's right, and standing up for Christ, that does take backbone, doesn't it? And as a parent, you need to train your sons and your daughters to have backbone today because if they do not, if they're not trained to be a Daniel where they're willing to stand up alone, Though none go with me, I still will follow. They will simply crumble under the pressure and become just like the crowd. And some of you adults today are becoming like the crowd too. Maybe today, maybe today it's time to draw a line in the sand and say no more. Man, I'm going to be all in when it comes to living for Jesus. How about it? Yeah, man. All right, let's see. If we're going to clap, let's do it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so let's read from Philippians 3, and we're going to just do a quick review starting in verse 1. We hit that last week in verse 2. Let's do it. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. And then Paul transitions, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Do you hear the passion in his voice? Hmm? We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And then Paul goes on to talk about his life. His life before Christ and this, these verses that we're going to uh, drill down on this morning, they're basically Paul's testimony because every one of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we should have a testimony. It's our story about how our life was before Christ and since we put our faith in Christ, the changes that God has done in us, right? Right? 
So it's before Christ and after faith. Two parts to every testimony. Paul is telling us his testimony. Man, he's taking full advantage of it. And uh, we want to encourage all of us, all of us, watching online here this morning, when you and when you've put your faith in Christ, have you articulated that story? Can you tell it? And be honest, we're not talking about exaggerating, you know, those fishing stories. Some, some Christians, you know, as they get older, you know, my uncle, man, he was, he was, he should have been a professional fisherman, really, you know, because he had quite an imagination. And, uh, and this is the true story, man. He, he's out fishing with his nephew, and, and the nephew is leaning over the boat. I mean, it was the biggest thing he ever saw before, my uncle tells us. And his nephew leans over with the net, and he leans over too far. This is up in northern Minnesota, man, where everything grows big. And so the boat tipped over, and he lost that fish, and he never forgave his nephew. Until two years later, he's, he's in his boat with his sister-in-law, and they're, they're cruising across the lake. He's got the motor on. So they're going across the lake. And what happens? This 28-pound northern literally jumps into their boat. Just jumped in, just for the fun of it. And so he, he gets a paddle and whops it, you know, kind of knocked the air out of it. And then he, you know, what's he do? He takes it to these dudes where they stuff it. <laughs> and he hangs it over his fireplace. And he said, that's the one that got away. You know, it's payback. It's payback. That's the one that got away. So, you know, as Christians, we tend to exaggerate our stories. We can, you know. We go deeper and deeper, but man, we need to be honest about it. This is where I was before Christ, and Jesus came in, and he changed me. And ever since, my life has never been the same. Craig Groeschel, case in point, right? Maybe you've got friends, family members who think, yeah, man, you put your faith in. Well, they're just waiting, you know. They're waiting on the sidelines for you just to lose it, to drift away and become your old self once again. Don't let that happen, man. Don't let that happen. So, so man, Jesus loves us enough to change us, and uh, Paul recognizes the changes that took place in his life. And in this text, man, we, we, we can almost feel some righteous anger coming out of Paul. Because he realizes what's going on here is what the lifestyle he had been living before Christ. And the freedom that he's experienced from Christ, these Judaizers, these legalists, these religious people want to put followers of Jesus back into bondage by following all of these rules and regulations. So... So Paul is kind of venting. You, you, you catch that here. He says, watch out for those dogs. <laughs> if you could see the ink coming off the pen there, it's a little bit hot. Those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. You know, He's addressing it because that was the bondage that he was in. 
And he realized, man, you know what? When I look at my life, Paul's saying this, being a religious man, following all the rules and regulations, I wasn't happy. Really, I was not, I, I didn't have joy. And when you, when you track his life before Christ, you, you'd say, man, this dude was ticked off. You kind of get that feeling that he was an angry man. So these Judaizers, we see, again, um, they taught that you couldn't be a Christian unless you were first a Jew, which meant you had to be circumcised. They put so much weight on that. And another church that we could look at in Acts 15, 1, it says, While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. And these were Judaizers. These were false teachers, you could call them. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. How would you respond to that kind of teaching? If somebody came in, or you were listening to a podcast and you heard somebody teaching this, would you agree with it or disagree with it? <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, okay. All right, that's a little weak, man. You could say disagree, man. I am, I am definitely, I would definitely disagree with that teaching because it's not true. It isn't true. It's a lie. And these Judaizers, man, they would teach that salvation was a result of something that we do. That's where all the priority was, what we do, rather than putting faith in God in what he had done. And so, man, Paul saw the damage. There was collateral damage going on in the church in Philippi, and he was pretty upset about it. So he's addressing that with this false teaching. And he thought of those Judaizers as dogs that we, we hit last week. Why? Because Paul realized that he himself was a dog before Christ, teaching, false teaching. And um, number two, last week, the point was mad dogs attack joy. And Paul had experienced that firsthand. So every follower of Christ has a testimony, and Paul is modeling that for us right here in chapter 3. He's giving us his testimony. And friends, I just want to encourage you, man, to, to relive. Go back to the day when you put your faith in Christ. Go back to the circumstances that caused you to put your faith in Christ. Refresh yourself of that day, that great day when your name was written into the book of life and celebrate that fact and look back and where God has brought you this far, man. Tell that story. And so we know that circumstances surrounding our conversions when we put our faith in Christ, they're all different. Yeah, we know that. But... Everybody, every single one of us, watching online and in this room this morning, we have been saved the same way. There's no difference in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's, we've been saved by grace when we believed in Christ. It's God's grace. And, and Paul writes, you can't take credit for this. <laughs> The Judaizers were trying to take credit for it. And Paul says, wait a minute, it's a gift from God. It's a free gift. What does free mean? You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to work for it. It's a free gift. 
Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done. Man, so many people get caught up in that trap. So none of us can boast about it. And man, the Judaizers, they were boasting and bragging about how spiritual they were and all the laws they followed. Paul was addressing that right here. Now, let's go to John 6, 29, with a little more clarity on, on this. Uh, a group of people had come to Jesus, and they were asking him what good works they could do. And I'm sure that's how some of us come up, you know, in our relationship with Christ. We ask, Lord, what, what more can I do for you to maybe earn your love, more of your love, you know, where I can perform more for you, which is all wrong thinking. There was a group that came to Jesus with this mindset, and look at what Jesus said. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe. Put your faith in Christ. I know it sounds simple, but Jesus says, hey, God is not into works from people to earning their way into heaven and having a relationship with Christ like the Judaizers. Believe in the one he has sent. Have you done that? Have you put your faith in Christ? And so, yeah, our, our testimony is unique. And once again, Paul is backing up in his own personal life, telling his testimony, sharing his past, and moving into the present. Last week, we hit this um, bumper sticker quote uh, that was seen in Madison, religion converted me to atheism. And you're seeing a lot of that um, in our culture today. In fact, you're, you're seeing a lot of young people that once they graduate from high school, they walk away from their faith. When their faith is challenged, religion, religion converted me to atheism. I think there's an attraction to that because like Paul, Paul realized that religion brings, you come up empty, really. You're working so hard, you're trying so hard, but nothing seems to be changing on the inside, in your soul. It's empty. And so, because religion can't offer you a relationship with Christ, people just walk away from it and just say, hey, I'm an atheist now. And so... Um, you, you as followers of Christ, if you track what's going on in Christianity in America, you're seeing some Christian musicians, some Christians that are doing podcasts, they're, they're leaving their faith. They're walking away from Christ. Now, the only thing that I can point to is that they've lost the joy of following after Christ. The joy of allowing Christ to work in and through their lives. Our hearts are so easy to go cold, even spiritually. I've got somebody who lives on my block. Just a year and a half ago, the previous owner manicured that lawn. The new owner, since then, just a year and a half, it's gone to total weeds, man. It's, 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 a, it's a lost cause, you know? 
So driving down the street and you see this lawn that's manicured, it's well taken care of, it takes an investment. It takes time. It takes energy. You just let it go, weeds grow automatically. Same thing in our relationship with Christ. If we don't make an investment of getting to know him more, allowing him to work in and through us, our souls will turn to weeds. Those weeds will crowd out the good grass over time and we'll lose our joy. And to me, I think that's what's going on in our culture. People have drifted, they've wandered, they've put it on cruise control. And at the end of the day, they're walking away from their faith. Now, this isn't anything new. It's gone, it's gone on since the New Testament. Went on in day, Paul's day. So I want to encourage you, man, to keep that relationship fresh and alive all the way, all the way to the finish line. So number one, tips to maintain my joy. Verse three, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human efforts. Notice Paul, when he hits verse 3, he says, we are the ones who are truly circumcised. That means true believers don't have to go through a surgery, a process. Paul is saying when you put your faith in Christ, there was heart surgery done on you by the Spirit of God. It's automatic. You don't have to make an appointment for it. You don't have to be in a waiting line. Paul is saying, we who worship by the Spirit of God, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. Paul says there's an antidote to these false teachers. It's to experience and appreciate the gospel. And the gospel produces joy. He gives a description of a true believer with their authentic joy, and it's quite a contrast to the Judaizers, what they're trying to betray. When, you, when it comes down to, there's, there's two options in the world. One, there's religion of human achievements, which the Judaizers were into. Or two, it's a relationship of divine accomplishments. And biblical Christianity is that second one, divine accomplishments, because Jesus Paid it all. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Paul writes, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Why? Because Judaizers, false teachers, were once again trying to undermine the truth of the gospel. That's why Paul says, if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Here it is. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. There it is. The gospel. I passed on to you what was most important. I look at what's, I just, I look at what's happening, you know, oh, 
in our world today. Um, what parents identify as priorities for their children, and it has nothing to do with having a relationship with Christ. And as a parent, it's your responsibility to train your children to model what that looks like. And what Paul is writing here in 1 Corinthians 15, man, that's what it's all about. The most important thing you can do for your sons and daughters is to train them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to model that in front of them. That's what Paul says is most important. And so... A legalist always minimizes the work of Christ and maximizes the work of human effort. That's why they don't have joy, because I'm working hard to get to heaven. They're working so hard, they can't have fun. You know, they can't. They're never sure, they're never sure if they worked hard enough. <laughs> and that's why the joy is kind of evaded. And Mark Twain, great theologian, Put it this way, having spent considerable time with good people, I can understand why Jesus liked to be with tax collectors and sinners. Makes sense, right? Because if you notice, the Pharisees called themselves good people, and everywhere Jesus went, they were always harassing him and picking on him, you know, trying to undermine him. You know, how sad that is. Religion without Christ is a very dangerous place to be. You take Christ out of it, man. And so many times people think, you know, having conversations with people, you know, I was baptized as a baby or I went through confirmation or my parents brought me to church. They, I, you know, they'll say, I'm good. I'm good. And, and they ignore the fact that they haven't had put their faith in Christ. They've just gone through steps, false steps of security. And that's a sad place to be. You look at Craig Groeschel, he went to church his whole life, man, up until the point of college, and he never heard about the gospel in church. He was in college, that's where he heard about Jesus, in a Bible study. See? Maybe you grew up in a church where the gospel was never preached. Man. That's what's most important. Um, Sarah Lucado, she's the daughter of Max Lucado, and of course, many of you know Max's writings, great author. She was raised in the church. Her dad was a pastor. Listen to what she said. I watched my parents worship. I watched my parents pursue God's heart in all facets of life. I watched my parents fervently pray. I watched my parents seek God's will over their own. I watched my parents dive into the word, minister to others, and faithfully give their lives away for the church. For many years, I got by just by being a good person. Catch that? Just being a good person. I followed the rules and I never missed a Sunday. I avoided getting into trouble and deeply desired to please my parents. And one day, however, sinful temptation knocked on my door. With fear and timidity, I welcomed it into my life. I allowed my peers' acceptance to dictate my decisions. 
And for a while, I felt dirty and ashamed. Eventually, I grew numb. You see what sin does, friend? It will make you numb. It'll take the life right out of you. My decision to ignore the voice of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit welcomed in a debilitating spirit of complacency. But it was okay because it still appeared to others I followed Jesus. I performed quite well going through the motions. The enemy enabled me to live a double life. Jesus' kindness did not. My transition into college mirrored my transition into a beautifully uncomfortable season of brokenness. My heart became tender again as I grieved over my rebellious ways from high school. It was time to own my sin and cultivate a personal intimacy with my Heavenly Father. Sounds glorious, right? Not quite. Going to depths with God gets messy. Fast forward to the college ministry spring break. Little did I know this week would reset the trajectory of my life forever in the midst of sharing the gospel for the first time, hearing life-altering teachings, experiencing the richness of true community and encountering God's presence during extended times of worship. I finally had eyes to see and ears to hear. The love of God was tangible. Did you catch that? The love of God. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. I began to understand that genuinely encountering the love of God will spur you on to do anything, no matter the cost, the risk, or the sacrifice. And after graduating, I have cultivated a deeply personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I worship. I pursue God's heart in all facets of life. I pray I seek God's will over my own. I dive into the word. I minister to others and live a challenging and rich life serving the church. He has showed me how. He has showed me that he is enough. Is he enough for you, friend? Hmm? Are you striving? Are you living a double life this morning? Are you somebody on the outside and a different person on the inside? See, Paul is saying, man, it needs to line up because religious people always have Christ plus whatever. It's Christ plus. It's always an add-on. It's a dangerous place. And Sarah Lucado found out that it to be true. And so... The Judaizers, the religious people, love to sing that song, Jesus paid almost all of it. Uh, because they think they got to do their part to add to what Jesus did. There's an old hymn that comes to mind, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed me white as snow. There you go. Jesus paid it all. It's all to him that I owe. Subpoint one, life-giving service. This is tips to maintaining your joy. Verse 3a, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Paul also wrote in Romans 2.28, 
For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. A true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. That is exactly what Paul's referring to here in Philippians 3, verse 3. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. And so Paul, when he writes, for we who worship by the Spirit of God, that is the answer. Because the one who has been truly circumcised in the heart worships God, not just on Sundays, friend. You know, it's a Sunday-only deal. That's what religion is. You come to church on Sunday and you live your life the way you want to the rest of the week. No, it's a seven-day, 24-hour-a-day deal. The Spirit of God living inside you where you worship God. When you walk down the street and you see the creation of God, you worship Him. At night when you see the stars in the sky, you worship Him, the creator of heaven and earth. The creator of your life who has given you a purpose to live on this planet What's that look like? Well, Romans 12.1 summarizes it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. See, that's love. Love responds, God, you have done so much for me. I'm going to respond in love back to you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, because this is truly the way to worship him. It's a daily thing, man. It's telling God how great he is. We're a living and holy sacrifice. Everything we do, the choices we make, the places we go, the stuff we listen to, the stuff we watch, it's all part of worship and honoring the Lord. Number two, resting in Jesus, verse 3b, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Resting in Jesus. Man, there is something awesome about that where I don't have to try to get God's attention, you know, to do more for him, to love me more. I know he loves me to the max right now. And I rest in that. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I am secure in my identity because Jesus loves me. He's adopted me. He calls me his son. I'm secure in that. So that resting in Jesus, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. So Paul is saying, by relying on that, we boast about what Christ has done in our lives. We brag about Jesus. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his spirit living inside of us that equips us. Max Lucado puts it this way, there is a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Your future matters more than your past. God's grace is greater than your sin. What you did may not have been good, but your God is good, and he will forgive you. There you go. Aren't you glad the windshield's bigger than the rearview mirror? (laughs) That's a good model for us to live by, man. You know, that rearview mirror, Satan likes to make that, turn that into a windshield, you know, and haunt us and torment us. Thank God for his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. 
Once again, once again, we rest in the fact in John 6, 29, Jesus saying, this is the only work God wants from you, to believe in the one he has sent. And number three, confident in Christ, not me. Look at verse 3c. We put no confidence in human effort. Paul is blowing up the Judaizers here. Man, they're ne- they can never rest. They can never sleep, man. They're always trying and working harder to be more religious. Paul says we put no confidence in human effort. Human effort means a person's own fallen ability to live their lives independent of God. It refers to an unredeemed humanness. That's what Paul's saying. Anything somebody does independent from trusting in the Lord, that's human effort. Paul says we put no confidence in human effort. And um, Paul tried it. And he realized, man, not a good thing. Not a good thing. The humanist message, you've got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps because God helps those who help themselves. That's the humanist. That's not in the Bible. The legalist message is you've got to work your way to heaven and keep the rules and cross your fingers. Our message as a follower of Christ is Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left that crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. We rest in that. That's going to bring joy. It will. When we're glad in the Lord and when we, when we are celebrating what Christ is doing in our lives, that Christian life is an attraction to others, just like Craig Groeschel's friend. Man, that dude watched Craig for years and finally put his faith in Christ. John 15, 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And that's where we celebrate. Our joy will be full. Imagine, it's fun to use your imagination, even in church. Imagine you're standing on the brink of a cliff. Maybe some of you have been there. It's quite a view. God made that, by the way. (laughs) But maybe you're stuck on a cliff, and across the chasm, it's 200 feet away. That's where the other cliff is, and you've got to get to the other side. And it's 5,000 feet below, so you can't really walk down. You've got to get across. So you've got to get across that chasm to the other side, and you've got a strong nylon rope that's capable of holding 3,000 pounds without breaking. That's really encouraging, isn't it? Think, man, I got hope. It will easily support you, but here's the deal. It's only 100 feet long. That chasm is 200 feet, and so you're 100 foot short of bridging that 200-foot gap. And then I show up, And you hear the sound of a trumpet. I said, I've come to your rescue, man. Don't worry. I've been trained as a survivor. I'm always prepared. Here's a spool of thread. It's more than 100 feet long. We can tie my thread to your rope and you'll have no trouble getting across. 
Would you trust your life to my spool of Fred? Probably not. Uh, I, I wouldn't blame you. It's very good thread, but you know it's not strong enough to support you. So let's change the scenario. Let's say instead of a 100-foot strong rope, we've got 190 feet of strong rope now. That means you're only 10 feet short of getting to the other side. You can cross the chasm now, can't you, even with just a 10-foot strand of thread? Do you feel safe enough to cross? Nah, probably not. Well, let's change it again. Let's go from 150 to 190 to 199 feet, 11 inches. All you need now is one inch of my thread. It's pretty good thread. Surely you can trust it now, right? Surely you can make that crossing of the chasm complete. Yes or no? <laughs> no, even one inch is not enough because rope and thread cannot save you. It must be good, strong rope, all 200 feet across to support you. And that's the same story with faith and works. Only faith in Christ is strong enough to support you. 200 feet, all rope. Faith plus works will never save you. It'll never happen. Your salvation cannot be 50% Christ and 50% you. It can't be 60-40, 75-25. No, Christ must be your entire support. That is his grace extended freely to you and to me. Father, we thank you this morning for the price that you paid that Jesus, you left heaven, a perfect place to come to this earth. Why? Because we were sinners in need of a Savior. We weren't sinners in need of religion. We weren't sinners in need of following your law, all 613 of them, Lord. No, you came and you went to the cross on a mission because you loved us. And you paid for our sin debt in full. And so, Lord, when we put our trust in you, when we say, yes, Jesus, we believe that you died on the cross in my place, paying for my sin in full, that's what believe means. And by inviting you into our lives, Lord, you, you forgive us of all our sin. And you promise to live with us. You promise to move into our lives and empower us, Lord, to say yes to you and no to sin. Man, what a gift that is. We don't have to cross our fingers. We don't have to try harder. We don't have to try and prove anything to you, Lord, because while we were still sinners, you died for us. So thank you today for that great gift of grace. Paying it all, Lord. Jesus paid it all. We thank you for that. Thank you that we can rest in what you accomplished on the cross and rest in who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.